Poland's Prime Minister Donald Tusk visits Kyiv with a message of support. New defense package will be provided to Ukraine. The significance drones are playing in the fighting between Russia and Ukraine. I think technology will decide the outcome of this war. Can older F-16s be a battlefield game-changer? It's a very reliable airplane, so it has a very high, what we call, a mission-capable rate compared to other airplanes. And how U.S. doctors are helping a Ukrainian refugee with an aggressive form of cancer. Today is Monday, January 22nd. From The Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Hello, I'm Steve Miller, in for Lori London. Poland's new Prime Minister, Donald Tusk, arrived in Ukraine on Monday to meet President Volodymyr Zelensky, aiming to strengthen relations after months of political friction between the two wartime allies. Tusk told reporters ahead of the meeting that Poland wishes to send an unequivocal message that Warsaw will fully support the confrontation of evil, and that while there were still a number of issues that he needs to discuss with Zelensky, he's there to work in the spirit of friendship to solve the problems quickly. The visit comes as emergency funding for Ukraine has been blocked by Republicans in the U.S. Congress who are pushing to link it to new security policies along the U.S.-Mexico border. U.S. President Joe Biden signaled on Friday that he was hopeful that a deal over the U.S.-Mexico border could be worked out, at least in the Democratic-controlled Senate, and urged congressional members to pass more aid for Ukraine. If we walk away and Russia is able to sustain their onslaught and bring down Ukraine, what do you think is going to happen in the Balkan countries? When is going to happen from Poland to Hungary and Urban? I mean, seriously, think about it. Also on Monday, the Ukrainian Air Force said its air defenses downed all eight drones that were launched by Russia. Joining us from Kyiv to break this all down is Anna Chernikova. Anna, what can you tell us about what happened at the meeting between Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk? Uh, so uh, he had a meeting with uh, President Zelensky already, and he's also uh, planning to meet uh, with Ukrainian Prime Minister, at least this was announced. Uh, so uh, during the meeting with President Zelensky, uh, it was mentioned that Ukraine and Poland still uh, have certain uh, issues uh both historical and political at this point. And I think that uh, this was mostly addressed to the situation with uh, a tracker issue on the border, the blockade that uh, was happening until recent uh, days, but and still the final uh, the final resolvement of this issue is not uh, in place. And probably Ukrainian and Poland uh, side will be looking for long term decision on that. Uh, but it's not easy as we can see because. Poland has their, you know, um, internal priorities as well as Ukraine. Uh, but what's what also I can add, uh, the positive announcement was also made uh, from Donald Tusk that new uh, defense um, package will be provided to Ukraine. Anna, speaking of long-term support, what's been the Ukrainian government reaction as well as the Ukrainian citizenry 
to the ambiguity of whether or not the United States will be able to provide additional support for Ukraine. Uh, the most important to mention here is that Ukrainians understand that they cannot, you know, do anything to change what's going on. So they can only hope that this uh, that this would be voted and this would be provided because, uh, of course, if U.S. Uh, aid is not provided, it would be a catastrophic uh, decision for uh, for Ukraine. Um, in terms of Ukrainian officials, uh, well, uh, there are not much comments on that because, again, it's more about internal uh, affairs uh, inside of the U.S. But, of course, Ukrainian officials also mentioned publicly that uh, they hope that this would be um, uh, voted soon and that they are sure that this would be voted soon. At least this is what uh, what is said by President Zelensky and by the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Mitro Kuleba. Uh, one last question, Anna. Before, before you have to go, over the weekend, Russia reported a dozen of people being killed after what they allege was a Ukrainian attack in Donetsk. At the same time, Russia carried out numerous strikes across Ukraine. What can you tell us uh, about the fighting on the ground? Uh, yeah, quite a complex question because a lot has happened over the weekend, actually. Uh, let's start with Donetsk attack. Um, we are hearing about uh, explosions in Donetsk, about attack on the market uh, in, in the city of Donetsk and about over 20 people uh, killed. Uh, Ukrainian officials, Ukrainian military did not comment on that. Uh, according to Russian sources and according to uh, local Donetsk sources uh, the acquisition of Ukrainian uh, armed forces. However, uh, at this point, we cannot confirm this, this because Ukrainian forces uh, indeed attack uh, military, mostly military uh, objects uh, in the occupied territories. Uh, I mean, I say mostly because uh, sometimes, uh, of course, missiles are shut down and um, debris could fall wherever it could fall. But uh, according to Ukrainian officials, uh, the target is military objects. And we can also see this that uh, from the also reports of uh, from the Russian sources that a lot of uh, military objects are indeed attacked and uh, very often uh, hit by Ukrainian forces. So at this point, we cannot confirm. Uh, in terms of the attacks over the weekend, uh, it was uh, under control by Ukrainian by Ukraine territory was also under the attack, particularly uh, the Konstantinivka, um, the city of Konstantinivka, where school was damaged uh, and civilian residential areas were damaged as well. Uh, uh, the right information about uh, people injured. Uh, also, uh, Kherson again. Uh, it's uh, s- well, what's happening in, her- in Kherson and Kherson region is um, basically happening on the daily basis. So that these attacks are happening, and uh, over the weekend, another powerful shellings were also conducted by Russian forces. Also, the central part of Ukraine, the city of Kropivnitsky, uh, was under attack. No information about victims, but uh, there were damage and. Uh, quite a lot of damage and uh, injuries uh, of the civilians. Uh, Also, over the weekend, Ukrainian uh, general staff confirmed that Russian forces managed to advance in the Kharkiv region, uh, occupying one of the uh, one of the sea, one of the villages, uh, the village of Krochmalne. It's a little village, but uh, it is uh, on the territory of Kharkiv region, and uh, uh, at this point, it is under Russian control. Uh, in in general, we are hearing that Russian forces are trying to advance in the Kharkiv region, and this is. Uh, well, according to Ukrainian officials, this is uh, the plan of Russian forces for the nearest future. Anna Chernikova reports for VOA from Kiev, Ukraine. Anna, as always, we thank you for your time. Thank you, Steve.
Ukraine criticized Russia for calling a meeting of the U.N. Security Council to discuss the supply of Western weapons to Ukraine on Monday. Serhiy Kalitsa, the Ukrainian ambassador to the United Nations. This meeting today is another attempt by the Russian Federation to distract from its war of aggression against Ukraine. And it is intensified campaign and its intensified campaign of systematic airstrikes killing civilians and destroying critical infrastructure. The meeting is the 11th being requested by Russia on the issue of western arms supplies to Ukraine since the war started on February 24th of 2022. Now, a suspected Ukrainian drone attack on Sunday caused a fire at a Russian Baltic Sea terminal belonging to Novatech forcing it to suspend some operations. Reuters' Lucy Fielder brings us those details. Novatech, Russia's largest liquefied natural gas producer, said on Sunday it had suspended some operations there, blaming external influence. The Ustluga complex is on the Gulf of Finland, about 110 miles west of St. Petersburg. The Interfax Ukraine news agency, citing unnamed sources, said the fire was the result of a special operation carried out by Ukraine's security services. It said fuel refined there is supplied to Russian troops. Reuters couldn't confirm the cause of the fire. Russian news outlet Shot said local residents heard a drone operating nearby, followed by several explosions. Alexander Drozdenko, the Leningrad region's governor, said on the Telegram messaging app there were no casualties and all workers were safely evacuated. Russia and Ukraine have targeted each other's energy infrastructure in strikes aiming to disrupt supply lines and logistics in the nearly two-year-old war. Lucy Fielder of Reuters News. And joining us from London is Chatham House Deputy Director of the Russia and Eurasia Program, as well as head of its Ukraine Forum, Orisia Utsevich. Orisia, where I want to begin is we got this news over the weekend of this fire in Utsluga. Russia said it was done by Ukrainian drones. We can't confirm that for sure since the Ukrainian government's not commenting on it. But but what's your takeaway from the fire and, and the significance of this? I think it's part of Ukrainian war strategy is to actually bring this war to the Russian territory for one hand, to incapacitate Russian supplies and material that they can actually deploy on the battlefield. And on the other hand, to also show to the Russian population that things are not going as planned for them and not everything is calm and under control as their President Putin is telling them. And these um, attacks have really started in uh, December of 2022, when you may recall there was a massive drone attack on a strategic bombers airfield in Anhels, which is quite far away into the Russian territory. So we see Ukrainian actually expanding this uh, tactic and uh, building their drone capabilities to uh, attack Russia deep into its territory and attacking strategic, critical uh, infrastructure for the war. Speaking of drones, what do you see as the importance of these unmanned aerial vehicles in the fight? Because... Russia's using Iranian-made head drones, Ukraine's using a variety of drones, even even some civilian-capable drones to, to fly and carry out battlefield operations. I think technology will decide the outcome of this war. I mean, you cannot have a large Soviet army, which de facto Russia is, fighting a, a, a small Soviet army, which Russia thought Ukraine uh, was before the invasion. So Ukraine has to actually get a competitive 
a technological advantage if it uh, really um, um, has any chance to uh, reinstate uh, its territorial integrity. So uh, President Zelensky has made it very clear, uh, I'd say from uh, the beginning of this war, that uh, Ukraine has to deploy the asymmetric approach, has to have this nimble technological army, and the, his team was fundraising for the army of drones um, quite substantially uh, globally. Um, and this year, the goal is for Ukraine to produce about a million of drones. We spoke about these attacks inside Russian territory. They remain quite small. I mean, Russia still has an upper hand in the number of drones it's able to deploy against Ukraine, and they range between 20 to 50 a night, right? These uh, uh, drone attacks against Ukrainian civilians, uh, energy infrastructure, uh, critical infrastructure continues. So um, we are now at the point, perhaps this year, there will be more clarity who gets a technological advantage in, uh, in this drone war. If the West remains united and if it's providing its advanced technology to Ukraine to deploy on the battlefield, I think Ukraine has quite good chances. Russia is also not standing still, and we do see that they've modified the Iranian drone with a, a more powerful engine that can fly further into Ukrainian territory. It is faster and it's much more difficult for Ukrainian air defenses to take down. One last question on the topic of aid. Donald Tusk, the Polish prime minister, announced that there'd be more aid coming from Poland on Monday during his visit in Kiev. But the question of whether or not the United States will be able to provide more aid as Congress is bogged down in, in budgetary discussions. On Friday, President Biden said that, you know, it was imperative to provide more aid. But what do you think is the most critical? What do you see as the most critical aspect of continued aid that Ukraine needs? The most critical aspect of U.S. military assistance is predictability and speed. Let's remember every day, you know, there's delay. Uh, more Ukrainians are dying on the battlefield. And we see now the downward trend of uh, parity with Russia, uh, with artillery shells. Um, and roughly in the, in, the, in the fall of the last year, we had Ukraine actually getting an upper hand. And now Russians have five to one actually advantage in, uh, in artillery shelling of Ukrainian positions in the east. And this is, this is damaging to the positions that Ukraine was able to hold and also opportunities on the battlefield such as around Crimea, that Ukraine has successfully created, created by pushing Russian naval uh, navy out of Sevastopol and in depths of the Russian uh, Azov Sea. So um, in the end, everybody knows in Washington, and I think Republicans understand it, that the outcome of this war is critical for American hard and soft power. If Ukraine collapses, it will cost more to United States and also to frontline countries such as Poland. And let's remember, there are American troops stationed in Poland. So if you, Washington can give Ukraine everything it needs and then it can finish the job. It has proven it can successfully defeat Russians. It can destroy Russian um, troops on Ukrainian territory. But they need the kits, they need training, and they need that equipment and control of the skies, especially the, the aircraft. Orisia Lutsevich is the head of the Ukraine Forum at Chatham House, speaking to us from London. Orisia, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Thanks for having me. 
And later, a Ukrainian refugee receives treatment for previously undiagnosed cancer. In America, all people have the same preventive surgery. In Ukraine, no. This is VOA News. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Miller. As Ukraine awaits the arrival of long-promised F-16 fighter jets from its Western allies, U.S. experts are examining how effective the aircraft may be against Russian threats. Anna Rice narrates this story from Maria Pruce. During his 20-year career in the U.S. Air Force, Dan Hampton conducted 151 assault flights piloting F-16 jets. He says that even though Ukraine is likely to receive an older model of the fighter jet, the F-16 could still be a battlefield game-changer for the Ukrainian Air Force. One of the wonderful things about the airplane is, is it's very easy to upgrade with more advanced avionics, electronics, radars. Russian-made airplanes don't have anything like that. And if they're flown by Western pilots or Western-trained pilots, then that's an even bigger advantage because we don't fly like the Russians and we don't train people that way. Hampton had encouraged the U.S. to send F-16 jets to Ukraine back in the spring of 2022 and was frustrated it took the U.S. so long to approve Western allies sending F-16s to Ukraine. Philip Breedlove, NATO's top commander from 2013 to 2016 and a former F-16 pilot, says the jets could help Ukraine conduct ground operations. The beauty of these multi-role aircraft is that once they establish that air superiority over our troops so that our troops can do modern maneuver warfare, which requires battlefield air superiority, once they can do that modern maneuver warfare, then the F-16 swings into being an extremely capable weapon at supporting maneuver on the ground. Austrian military expert Gustav Gressel says that Russia's latest mass air attacks on Ukrainian cities have shown that Ukraine's air defense systems work very effectively and that the ongoing war has demonstrated how crucial Western fighter jets might be in Ukraine. The problem, of course, with uh, existing fighters in Ukraine with uh, Su-27 and MiG-29 uh, is not so much the aircraft but the ammunition. Um, the most of the rockets um, and missiles uh, these aircrafts fire are produced in Russia, and it's very hard to get them. So if uh, Ukraine uh, continues to intercept uh, such targets with fighters, it would need Western fighters to fire Western missiles from. Hampton says to efficiently fend off Russian attacks, Ukraine will need about 36 to 40 F-16 jets. Ukraine has been promised about 60 by Western governments. Since the plane is historically so reliable, he explains, Ukraine doesn't need a huge number of them. So if you had, you know, 40 airplanes, an F-16, you know, group of 40 airplanes, you could conceivably have 30 then that were ready to fly right now. The rest are going through maintenance or upgrades or something's wrong and they need to fix it. 
it's a very reliable airplane, so it has a very high, what we call, emission-capable rate compared to other airplanes. According to Western military officials, Ukrainian pilots are currently being trained to operate the jets in Denmark and England, but it's unclear when they will be ready to pilot the jets. It's also unclear when the jets will be delivered to Kiev. For Maria Prus in Washington, NRA's VOA News. And finally, in the western U.S. state of Colorado, doctors are helping a Ukrainian refugee who was diagnosed with an aggressive form of colon cancer. Svetlana Prostinska has our story from the Rocky Mountain town of Estes Park. Larisa Irklienko and her mother fled the city of Kharkiv on the third day of Russian invasion of Ukraine. My mom's house was destroyed, part of roof was destroyed. When we moved to the USA uh, with my mom, we understood it is not <laughs> easy to, to find second home for us. They came to the Colorado town of Estes Park to join Irklienko's daughter Irina, who urged her mother to get a medical checkup following the stresses of fleeing Ukraine. Dr. Jennifer McClellan works at the Estes Park Medical Center. Larissa was referred for a routine colonoscopy because it's recommended now starting at age 45. Uh, she was, I believe, 59 years old at the time, so and she had not had a colonoscopy for screening. Actually ended up having a stage 2 cancer. Dr. McClellan says the cancer was advanced and aggressive, but Irklienko showed no obvious symptoms. She found out she had this. Um, she sort of realized she had been having some symptoms, but had attributed it to stress and everything that was happening with Ukraine. Surgery to remove Irklienko's cancer was covered by the U.S. refugee program Uniting for Ukraine. The University of Colorado Health System contributed most of her post-operative care. Irina says those actions saved her mother's life. Usually it takes time to do the biopsy and to get back the results and all that crazy time of anticipation and waiting for results. But Dr. McClellan saw it right away. She knew what it was. Bless her heart, she jumped on it right away. She connected us with the best specialist. And so I know that she will get the care. It was truly amazing to see the group of professionals to come together and just help. Irklienko was an engineer in Ukraine. Now she's working in a sandwich shop to improve her English and meet new people in her new community. In America, all people have the same preventive surgery. In Ukraine, no. So I think if I, I now was in Ukraine, it can be a very big problem with my, my illness. In the USA, I saw, I saw very modern medicine. Very, so many new technology. It is so important to have preventing medicine and early diagnostic. While she wants to return to Ukraine when there is peace, Irklienko is grateful for the time here with her granddaughter and daughter. We're just trying to 
bring them and make new home for them and then just pray for the peace back at home and that all this will stop and they'll get to go home healthy and happy. Nearly 300,000 Ukrainian refugees have been admitted to the United States through the Uniting for Ukraine program since the start of the Russian invasion in February 2022. Svetlana Pristinska, VOA News, Estes Park, Colorado. And that's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to stay up to date with our continuing coverage on Ukraine, as well as news from around the world. You can do so 24 hours a day at voanews.com, as well as on our social media platforms. Just be sure to follow VOA News. And on behalf of everyone at VOA, I'd like to thank you for joining us. And until next time, I'm Steve Miller. Be well, be safe, and have a good night.